This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mystery thriller readers, this one's for you. We're giving away the 10 best mysteries and thrillers of the year so far to one lucky Book Riot reader or podcast listener. The prize pack includes Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, The Lost Man by Jane Harper, American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash best mysteries to enter to win. And don't forget to leave your lights on. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 60, and we are recording on Tuesday, September 10th. I'm Rincey Abraham, along with Liberty Hardy, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Liberty. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Thanks again for uh, subbing in for Katie while she's on vacation. She's exploring the Pacific Northwest quite a bit, and I'm kind of jealous, but I get to record with you because of it. I'm very excited. Um, I saw that that she was stuck in like those crazy thunderstorms that they had the other day in Seattle. Did you see yeah. this? For, like the power went out everywhere. Bananas of the photos of the storms. I was just like, whoa. Which I guess they don't get a lot there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I live in Chicago, so I feel like we get everything except hurricanes. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure Katie's doing just fine because she's from Chicago as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, again, thanks so much. It. Unfortunately, we won't be talking about Agatha Christie this time, so hopefully you're not, like, too upset about that. I'll get over it. I Also, I'll probably figure out a way to slip it in there somehow. <laughs> All right. Before we jump into the episode, do you want to tell us about our sponsor? I absolutely do. Today's sponsor of Red or Dead is Sourcebooks. They are the publishers of Pretty Guilty Women by Gina LaMana. So there has been a horrible thing happen at a wedding. At the, there was something terrible at the bank's wedding. We're not talking about, like, Someone stepped on her veil. We're talking about, like, a man was murdered. That's pretty bad at a wedding. So not only that, but four different women rushed to offer confessions, each claiming that they committed the crime alone. So there's Ginger, whose life is just falling apart. And she was really hoping this wedding weekend was going to turn her life around, and it is not the awesome getaway that she had expected. And then there's Kate, who has enough money to buy her way out of almost anything. There's Emily, who can't shake her reputation or her memories. Uh, she was hoping to drown this whole vacation in a bottle. Things are obviously not going that well for her. And then there's Lulu, who's got ex-husbands to spare. And she has another one on the way as soon as she figures out what he is up to. So now, why would these four women all confess to the same murder? Now, only they know and they're not telling. So Pretty Guilty Women has received great advanced praise from best-selling authors, including Susan Crawford, the best-selling author of The Pocket Wife and The Other Widow, who says it is sparkling with insight, wine, humor, and a drop of blood, and says it is a must-read. And the New York Journal of Books calls it engaging and a joy to read. It is perfect for fans who marathoned Big Little Lies and are now craving more suspense whipped up with compelling female friendships, relationships on the brink of ruin, and murder. So that is Pretty Guilty Women by Gina LaMana from Sourcebooks, and we thank them for sponsoring. 
All right. So for anyone who might be new here, this is a podcast where we talk about mystery and thriller and suspense and true crime books and everything sort of related to that. Uh, we usually talk about some news, uh, adaptation things, all that sort of stuff before jumping into the main topic. This is usually the point. Katie usually does these intros where Katie uh, tells everyone that we like to hear from our listeners at any time that you like. Um, we also love getting suggestions from you guys for things that we can talk about during the show. Today's episode main topic actually comes from a listener. So feel free to get in touch with us. If you have any ideas for future topics you want us to talk about, if there are specific like books or authors you want to talk about or like related books that you want us to sort of explore things like that. Um, a lot of our episode topics come from you guys because you guys have such really great ideas and suggestions. Um, so at the bottom of the show, I'll include our email address. So you guys can feel free to email us um, anytime you have any sort of suggestions. So to kick things off, I am very excited about this news that just came out a couple of hours before we started recording. And it is that Stars has announced it's the premiere date for the uh, new TV adaptation, Dublin Murders, which is based on the first two books from Tana French, In the Woods, and The Likeness. Um, so if you aren't aware, the BBC announced that they were adapting those two books into a miniseries, or I guess it's a regular series on the BBC because <laughs> they don't do very long series. Um, and so it's been an, it was announced over on the BBC, and then Stars said that they were picking it up, but it wasn't cl- uh, said yet when exactly everything was going to be airing. So Stars has announced that it is going to be premiering on Sunday, November 10th. So mark your calendars. Also in this article that I'm going to include in the show notes, there is the trailer for the show and it looks so creepy and I am so excited about this. Um, the show is stars Killian Scott, who is in um, CB Strike, the Cormoran Strike series adaptation. And then it also features Sarah Green, who is in Penny Dreadful. Um, the show I think is premiering or being aired, uh, in October, I want to say in like the UK and Europe. So you guys can look forward to that if you live in that part of the world. Uh, but for all of my fellow US citizens or US residents, I should say, um, it is coming out on November 10th and I'm considering it a birthday present from stars to myself because my birthday is November 12th. And what better way to celebrate my birthday than to watch a new ton of French adaptation? Ooh, look at that. They are doing it just for you. Yeah, I like to tell everyone anytime anything good happens in November that those people are doing it specifically just for me. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Um, I have no reason to say why anything is happening in March of 2020 other than Emily St. John Mandel's new book is coming out. She wrote Station Eleven. Everyone is super excited for her new one. It's called The Glass Hotel. It is a mystery thriller coming out uh, from Knopf and... They just announced that NBC Universal International Studios is going to adapt it for television. And Emily herself will be writing the pilot, which is very exciting. Uh, the book is about a woman or a disappearance of a woman from a container ship. Uh, and something about this incident opens a window into a massive Ponzi scheme, which implodes in New York and destroys countless fortunes and the lives with it, uh, which just sounds really, really cool. And like I said, Emily is writing the pilot. She was tweeting something about, like, yay, I'm writing a pilot. Uh, how do you write a pilot? Which is pretty funny. Um, and uh, hopefully it gets picked up and turned into a series. So that is exciting. And now back to you. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, the final piece of news that we have for this episode is just like a heads up that there was a profile of Stephen King in the New York Times that I actually really enjoyed a lot. I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. Katie's a huge Stephen King fan. So she probably would be super excited about this if she was on today's episode. Uh, but it's a really good profile. He has a new book that's out today as of this recording uh, called The Institute. And it talks about uh, these killers or it follows these children who have like these supernatural abilities and they all basically get like jailed or held in like a holding some sort of facility, things like that. And the profile talks a little bit about how he had had ideas kind of like this before and the recent events of like children being detained at the border and things like that had inspired him to like really push forward with this story. And there's a quote in here from him that talks about how he says, like, I care about defenseless people who try to find a way to defend themselves. Um, and I care about a government that's too big and that will try to do things where the ends justify the means and all of these things are in the Institute. Um, so I highly recommend checking out this profile. It's really well done. Um, I'm not even if you're not like a Stephen King fan, I think that this is worth reading. And I'm always someone who, even though I don't read a lot of Stephen King, I always appreciate Stephen King a lot because he's an author with a huge audience, but he continues to like speak out against like injustices and talk about things that are political and he doesn't shy away from that stuff. Um, he's willing to, you know, insert that stuff into his book so that way it gets in front of the faces of people who might not necessarily want to engage with those topics and ideas. Um, so yeah, there'll be a link in the show notes to that in case you are interested in checking it out. I thought it was really well done. Awesome. So for our main topic, like I said, this one came in from a reader, someone tweeted at us and asked us to talk about World War One mysteries because they are a fan of them. And so I thought this was a really good topic. Um, I'm someone who has kind of gotten burnt out on World War II based stories. Uh, I feel like there are just so many of them out there that it's hard for me to really get excited about them anymore. But World War One mysteries or World War One based topics in general, uh, I get more excited about just because I feel like it's such an underexplored time period and underexplored war. Um, I think that World War One was a lot messier. And so less people are willing to take on that time period and that topic a whole lot. Um, and even just like preparing for this, like it was so difficult to be able to find World War One mysteries <laughs> just in general. Like you'll hear us talk about like the books that we picked out and some of them are kind of just like World War One adjacent just because so few authors are willing to uh, tackle this topic. Yeah, I was like you said, let's talk about World War One mysteries when you asked me to do the show. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm sure I've read a ton. And was surprised not only by how few World War One mysteries I have read, but how few World War One novels I have read. I think for like every one, there's probably 50 books about World War Two. Partly, I think because of the coverage, you know, technology was different. There was a lot more um, photos and, and film coming out from World War Two, So not as much is known about it. Not as many people were writing about it. Um, but I, it was shocking how little there is out there for World War One fiction compared to anything else, really. Um, but you know, still some great stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Liberty, do you want to start us off with, uh, the books that you picked to talk about? Yes. So the first book I picked to talk about is actually a series called the World War One series. So whew, that was pretty easy. Um, it is Anne Perry, her series. It's called, the first book is called No Graves as Yet. 
Um, and each book in the series takes place during a year in uh, World War One, so it goes from 1914 to 1918. And the first book is about Joseph Reevely. He is a Don at Cambridge, and he is at school one day when he gets word that his parents have been killed in a car crash. So this is devastating. As he's trying to process this information, he receives a visit from his brother Matthew, who says that while his parents were in his or not while, but his parents were en route to see him when their car crashed, and his father was bringing him a secret document that was very damaging for England's image. So was this really an accident at all? Because where is this document now? It's missing. So they sort of investigate that and try to figure out like what is going on. And meanwhile, like World War One is starting. Um, it's all tied in together. And so then, like I said, they go through each year. Like, the next one takes place in 1915, and now Reedley is a chaplain uh, during the war, and there has been a body of a soldier found, and it, people do not think that it is war. his death is war-related, so they're trying to figure out what happened to him. Um, his brother, Matthew, is in a lot of the books. They have a sister named Judith, who becomes an ambulance driver. She features in some of the books. Um, if you've ever read Anne Perry, her historical fiction is just amazing. Uh, very well researched, very detailed, and you basically can't go wrong if you read an Anne Perry novel. Um, I myself read a lot of her Thomas Pitt novels, which take they're a mystery series that take place during the Victorian era, um, and like they've been around forever. I think her first one came out in 1979. But fast forwarding from 1979 to 1994, there was a film called Heavenly Creatures that was released by Peter Jackson. He of the Lord of the Rings fame. Um, it was a historical film about two best friends named Juliet and Pauline. Uh, they were 15 and 16, respectively. They lived in New Zealand in 1954, and they were best friends. And then they get word that uh, Juliet's parents are splitting up, and she's going to have to move back to England. And they're devastated. So Juliet's parents tell her that Pauline can come live with them in England. Like, they're totally fine with that. However, Pauline's mother is not fine with that and says that she is not allowed to go. So Juliet and Pauline kill her with a brick and a sock because that's what they decided to do. Uh, now, the thing that was amazing about this film is that it's a true story. It's an actual, like, famous crime in New Zealand. Um, the girls were arrested. They were sent to juvenile detention centers. Uh, they were held there until they were 18 and told that they could be released uh, as long as they swore to never have any contact with each other again. And that is the case. Uh, Juliet moved back to England and then ended up in U the U.S. for a while and then in Scotland. She changed her name. She changed it to Anne Perry and she started writing mysteries. So that was the other surprising thing about this film. Most people were not aware of this fact. This was like way before the internet. So it wasn't something that you would have known. Um, and, you know, the world was just shocked when this news came out because... It wasn't like a basic instinct, you know, thing where, she, you know, the author's like, why would I kill somebody in the manner in which I wrote about it in my book? I mean, this is like a woman who was involved in a killing who went on to become a mystery writer writing about killings. And I wonder if she, like, ever thought that information would come out. I guess you can't predict the internet or, like, how, or people, like, digging into your past. Um, and I also wonder, and I, I pose this question to you, Rincy, if... This drove sales of her books, and if this happened now, if this would drive sales of her books, um, if people, or like if people would already have known this now. Hmm. That's actually, yeah, it's hard to say, obviously, for sure, but I feel like it would still drive sales of her books because I feel like people would still be so intrigued mm -hmm. by the story and like the 
sort of scandalous nature of it all, um, it would drive people to pick up her books for sure. I think especially, I think it also kind of depends on like how much time has passed between like the murder or whatever occurring and the book being published. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like if it's too close together, you can fall into like an OJ did I do it scenario where it just is like, are you just trying to like profit off of what happened and things like that? Um, But I think that I feel like it would still drive sales because people would be so curious. And even just to like, people would love like reading fictional books and trying to see like how much of like the author is in the book themselves, like that they've written themselves into or situations that they've been in and stuff like that. So people love doing stuff like that. So I feel like for sure it would still drive sales. Yeah. I mean, she was sentenced. She did her time. You know, um, I, if I remember correctly, and I, and I think I am, but like, don't, don't hold me to it. I believe like, like when the news came out, a couple people were like, oh, her publisher needs to drop her, you know, like when mm. the news came out. But I mean, she's written like 40 or 50 books, like she, and she just continues to, to churn them out. So I mean, it didn't, it didn't hurt, I guess is, is what I'm going to say. Um, and, and nothing really came of it as far as like the, the information. And she's addressed it publicly, I think twice, maybe, maybe just once. Like at the time, she didn't, she wouldn't talk about it. And I think like in 2003 or four, she came out and, and gave an interview about it. But that was it. Yeah. I also wonder how much it has to do with like the writer's intent. Cause like part of it is like, it's not like she, she was convicted and she served time. Yeah. So it's not like she was like trying to pretend like she didn't do the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she kind of like served her sentence. And so like after that, people should be kind of allowed to do whatever they want to do, um, you know, to a certain extent in terms of like working and stuff like that without like that being held over their head. So like, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the right choice again. So I think the fact that like, and she does, she, again, you can tell she's not trying to like profit off of it or she's not trying to exploit it to bring herself like more readers or anything like that. So I think that that also just shows that like, she doesn't want to like, make it this giant scandalous thing yeah she probably would have been happier if it had never (laughs) been discovered yeah for sure all right so my main pick for this episode is a gentleman's murder by christopher huang and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while you may have heard me talk about it previously because it came out last year and i read it and really enjoyed it a lot. Um, so this book actually takes place in post World War One, but I feel like it still kind of counts because it incorporates a lot about World War One into the story. Um, it's set in 1924, and you are following this uh, character named Eric. He was a lieutenant during World War One, and he gets an invitation to join this like prestigious gentleman's club in London. And it's a club that his family has been a part of for generations. And it's specifically a club for veterans. So he gets the invitation, he decides to join. And within a few days of him joining, a man is found dead inside of the vault of the club. And so it becomes this huge deal because, again, it's a veterans only club you can only get inside the building unless you if you work there or if you are a member of the club so there's a very limited pool of people that you can pull from for suspects so eric starts looking into the murder and as he does he finds himself basically getting transported back to like the World War One era and the things that happened while on the war front um, and the story becomes a lot more complicated from there So like I said, I really enjoyed this book a lot. And one of the reasons why I really enjoyed this book is because it 
looks at a lot of really difficult topics. So there's a lot more going on here than just this murder mystery itself. Um, the main character in this book is of mixed race descent, which is fantastic. He is half Chinese, half English. And so there are comments here and there about that impact that it's having on the main character's life living in London in the 1920s. Um, and he talks about things of like how his sister is able to pass a lot better than he is. So she gets treated a lot better than he does and how he was treated sort of as a soldier and th- things like that uh, while being mixed race. Um, it talks a lot about PTSD, which I found to be really well done and something that I wasn't really expecting. Uh, if you aren't aware, World War One was a really difficult and horrific war for a lot of soldiers because technology had advanced pretty significantly and there was a lot of um, war weapons being used Uh during that war that people had never seen before and people didn't really quite know the full impact of like one of the things is like mustard gas and stuff like that. And so a lot of soldiers saw things that they weren't prepared to see and it had like a significant impact on them. And so it talks about things like that. And it talks about drug addictions and sort of like how people were getting addicted to specific drugs post war and stuff like that. So there's a lot of heaviness to the story that I wasn't expecting at first. Like it's written in the style of kind of like that golden age detective sort of story. And it's very reminiscent of that. But then it kind of takes this like heavier and darker tone because it starts to look into the real consequences of being a soldier at war and serving in World War One and things like that. And I thought that it was really, really well done. And I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the first in a series. Um, but there hasn't been like any announcements in terms of like more books from this author and following these characters and stuff like that. But if there are, I'm definitely going to be checking them out. Um, So again, that's called A Gentleman's Murder by Christopher Huing. My other pick for today uh, is actually one that I was interested in reading myself. I have not read it um, when I was researching World War One mysteries. Like I said, there are not as many as you would think. Um, And Rinsey stole my other favorite one. So uh, she's going to tell you about that. So I am interested in reading a book called A Front Page Affair by Radha Vatsal. And it is the first in a series. There are two books so far. Um, and it is, again, World War One adjacent. It is about an intrepid young reporter named Kitty Weeks. It is 1915. She works for a newspaper in a major city. Um, she wants to be a heavy-hitting journalist. However, she is stuck writing about fashion and gossip. But when a man is murdered at a high society picnic where she is attend- attending, or she is attending, um, she decides, like, this should be my, my article because I was there. Like, how much more do you need? Like, I was at the actual event. Uh, so she wants to show her boss that she can do this job and write this article. So she begins searching for answers and gets mixed up in a wartime conspiracy. I'm very excited. I really like books, like, about Nellie Bly. I don't know if you've ever read anything about her um yeah she was a reporter very famous in her day um and this just sounds really fun and like i said there's a second one that came out in ni- not 19 in 2017 um i could not find any news about anything further but um i look forward to checking these two out this one is called a front page affair and it is by rada vatsal all right. And the one that I stole from Liberty is... You didn't really actually steal it. I, You know, like you picked it first. So it's... I just want to clear that up. I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I was just, you know, faster on the draw. Um, the other one is a pretty popular series that I'm sure a lot of you guys have read or at least heard of. And that's the Maisie Dobbs series from Jacqueline Winspear. 
So this technically takes place again after World War One. Uh, but the backstory to Maisie, the main character, is that uh, she was like growing up and ended up becoming sort of like an apprentice to uh, someone who was like an investigator and taught Maisie a bunch about like psychology and science and things like that, that would make her a good investigator. Um, and then she was planning on going to Cambridge, but then World War One breaks out and she ends up becoming a nurse on the front lines. And so like the first book sort of like sets all of that up and the mystery part of the first book is actually like tied into that so while she's on the front line she meets a young man and then uh part of like the mystery is like what happened to the young man after the war so like this uh story starts off in like 1920s i want to say like mid 1920s um and Maisie opens up her own investigation business and so The Maisie Dobbs series is just like so delightful and so much fun and just everything I enjoy in a historical fiction uh, mystery series. Um, There's an, I don't even know how many books are out now, 15, 14, something along those lines. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. And so she's been, um, Jacqueline Winspear has been writing them since like the mid 2000s and just been like putting one out every year almost. And so there's plenty of books in this series. They are just so much fun and again take place in this time period that isn't really explored very much um i haven't met anyone who's picked up Maisie dobbs books and hasn't enjoyed them so if you are someone who enjoys historical mysteries like this you have to have to have to pick up Maisie dobbs i absolutely love these books and i just have these great memories of when i discovered them because i went with a bunch of friends uh, to montreal in 2003 and i brought a book with me but of course i finished it like as soon as we got there so I found the first Maisie Dobbs book in a bookstore right near the hotel where we were staying. And I spent most of that evening reading it. And I was just like, this is so good. I love this so much. And then when I, after I fell asleep, um, the hotel had a problem with their fire alarm. And it started going off. Like, and they would evacuate the hotel. And then we'd all go back in. And, then, and it went off like eight times. And they made oh, us leave no. every single time. And my friend, I just remember like, like the fifth or sixth time, I just heard her from the other room being like, we're getting this room for free. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> I mean, as you should. That's a lot for one yeah. night. Yeah. And it's like, so like they, because they, they kept announcing, like, they're, it's just, a, you know, it's, they made us leave, but they were also like, it's just a faulty thing. But it happened so many times that it was, they, and they kept making us leave. We were like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that, I only had like one middle of the night fire alarm experience. This is a complete tangent, but it was when I was in college and living in dorms. And it was definitely like some drunk guy <laughs> over the weekend, like drank too much and ended up like pulling the fire alarm or something like yeah. that. And I was so angry about it because it was yeah. also cold outside. And I was like, why would you do this to all of us? <laughs> but like, I just have that memory tied in with like, that was the day that I discovered Maisie Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So if you have any World War One mysteries that you would love to uh, send our way, please let us know. Um, because again, we always love hearing from you guys. You guys always have great suggestions. So yeah, feel free to email us or tweet at us um, if you have any other World War One books that you really like. All right. So to wrap things up, I have our new releases for this week and next week. Um, so I'm going to start things off talking about the new Attica Locke book, which I am super excited about. Um, Heaven My Home, which is um, apparently it's called the Highway 59 mystery series, which I didn't realize until 
right now. Um, but this is the sequel to Bluebird Bluebird, which I adore so, so much. Um, so this is a new mystery. You are following Texas Ranger Darren Matthews. Um, in this story, he is on the hunt for, um, nine year old Levi King, who was on his way home, um, in the dark and, something happens um and so he just like goes missing so darren matthews um after everything that occurred in bluebird bluebird which was a lot um i won't say more than that in case you haven't read it yet um but he starts uh looking for this missing boy um and Adakalak's book, specifically Bluebird, Bluebird, I feel like even more so, but in general she does a really great job of like incorporating the characters' backgrounds and the setting into her stories. Um, she talks about the race relations in this small, tiny Texas town and sort of how that impacts the investigation that the main character, who is a black man, is able to do. Um, she creates these really morally great characters throughout her story. So you are like, I'm rooting for you, but you're also making terrible choices. Um, so yeah, I'm super, super, super excited that this is finally out. So again, Heaven, My Home is out and uh, definitely make sure that you pick up Bluebird Bluebird if you haven't already. Out on September 10th, so it is out already as you are listening to this, um, is Legacy, Gangsters, Corruption, and the London Olympics by Michael Gillard. This is a nonfiction book talking about uh, the London Olympics that took place in 2012 um, and sort of looking at the business and corruption um, and politics behind all of that and how these sort of like modern gangsters and crime families were all trying to cash in on it. Um, so using violence, guile, and corruption, one gangster, the Longfellow, emerged as a true untouchable after the 2012 Olympics. Um, a team of local detectives made it their business to take him uh, take him on until Scotland Yard threw them under the bus and the business of putting on the greatest show on earth won the day. So a bunch of these gangsters basically went in and like politicians and big banks and all of this stuff were all in about the 2012 Olympics just trying to make it as profitable as possible. And so um, this book really looks at sort of that whole situation and how um, there was this like landmark court case that finally put this major gangster um, on trial for and exposed sort of like all of the dark underbelly of the Olympics. And if you aren't aware, the Olympics are basically like this major I don't want to say scam, but it kind of like the Olympic Association kind of is like that. Uh, if you look into it, you can kind of find out more. They're not as bad as FIFA, but they're kind of up there in terms of like corruption. So if you are interested in learning more about that, then I highly recommend picking up a Legacy by Michael Gillard. Out on September 17th is The Stranger Inside by Lisa Unger. Um, so this is a new suspense book from her, and you are following 12-year-old Rain Winter, who has narrowly escaped an abduction while walking to a friend's house. Her two best friends, Tess and Hank, were not as lucky, though. Tess never came home, and Hank was held in captivity before managing to escape. Their abductor was sent to prison, but years later was released. And then someone delivered real justice and killed him in cold blood. Now Rain is living the perfect suburban life and her dark childhood is buried away. She spends her days as a stay at home mom, having spent her career or having put aside her career as a journalist to care for her infant daughter. But when another brutal, brutal murderer who escaped justice is found dead, Rain is unexpectedly drawn into the case. Eerie similarities to the murder of her friend's abductors force Rain to revisit memories she's worked hard to leave behind. Is there a vigilante at work? Who's the next target? And why can't Rain just let it go? 
So um, Lisa Unger has written a number of uh, thriller and suspense book. So if you are looking for a book that looks deep inside the minds of both the perpetrator and the victim uh, that blurs the lines between right and wrong, then you, this one might be for you. And again, that's called The Stranger Inside by Lisa Unger. The final book that I have is A Death in Harlem by Carla F.C. Holloway, which comes out uh, next week. And I'm super excited about this one. Um Carla F.C. Holloway is a scholar, and what she does is she weaves this mystery uh, during the time period of the Harlem Renaissance. Um, so clear glass towers rising in Manhattan Bell, a city where people are often not what they seem. For some here, identity is a performance of passing, passing for another race, for another class, for someone safe to trust. Uh, Thomas's investigation illuminates the societies and secret societies and the intricate code of manners, the world of letters, and the broad social currents of 1920s Harlem. So this is a journey back in time that uh, looks at this period that is often looked at as the peak of American glamour. Um, and it sort of mixes together a murder and a mystery along with sort of everything that's going on in 1920s Harlem Renaissance. And again, that's called A Death in Harlem by Carla F.C. Holloway. I'm also very excited for that one. I hope to read it in the next few days. Because she ties in the this, this sort of the ending of Passing by Nella Larson uh, into the story. So I'm not going to say what happens at the end of Passing if you haven't read it. But it's an excellent book. It's very short. It's a classic. You should read it. Oh, 100% agree. <laughs> All right. Liberty, do you want to tell us what you've been reading lately or what you plan on reading soon? Yes, I have so many more words. Um, So I just picked up The Nutshell Studies of Unexplained Death by Corinne May Botts. Um, it, I, it was a reread for me. It was one of our best-selling staff picks at River Run Bookstore when I worked there many, many years ago. Um, came out in 2004. It is a book of photographs and an essay from Corinne herself. And it is about, uh, Frances Glessner Lee, who you may have heard of recently. She was one of the women uh, covered in, uh, Savage Appetites by Rachel Monroe, which came out a couple of weeks ago about, it's, uh, four true stories of women, crime, and obsession. And there is a biography of her coming out in February called 18 Tiny Deaths, The Untold Story of Frances Glessner Lee and the Invention of Modern Forensics by Bruce Goldfarb. Um, and so this is, she, she's like amazing, okay? So basically, word is on the street and on the internet that she was the influence for Jessica Fletcher. Like, this is how serious she is. But in 2004, when this book came out, people would thought that it was just this art book that we had that was full of really weird dioramas about true crime, but they did not even even though it says that she's a real person, they did not think that she was a real person. They just thought this was like this really disturbing, weird art book. Um, but she was a real person, and she basically was credited with ushering in a new era of forensic detection. Um, she was a very well-off uh, older woman. She was a grandmother, and she was very interested in crime. And she made these 20 dioramas in which she painstakingly recreated actual crime scenes. And they were used to train homicide investigators in the 1940s and the 1950s. And it, it, it just sounds unreal. You know, like, she was, like, overlooked a lot because, you know, she was a woman, of course. So, but she is considered, like, the mother of, of forensic detection. Um, and they made her an honorary police chief in New Hampshire, which is, like, where she lived. And, like I said, they based, supposedly, based Jessica Fletcher on her. So fascinating. So this is like this really weird book of photos of those dioramas. They're just, you're like stunned by them. Um, and so I'm so excited about that. I'm excited about her biography. 
Could you tell? Um, <laughs> so then, and now tonight, even though it is getting dark out and it is probably ill-advised, I am going to start The Return by Rachel Harrison, which I don't even know what it is about, except that my friends, my two friends who have read it tell me it is the scariest book that they have read. It says, a group of friends reunite after one of them has returned from a mysterious two-year disappearance in this edgy and haunting debut. So yeah, so my two friends said it's so messed up, and it has my favorite cover of next year for sure already. It's like fluorescent pink. Um, So that's what I know about it. So what about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to remember to like make sure Katie hears about that book, because that sounds like something she would really love. And also, <laughs> I just Googled it, and holy cow, that is like the brightest pink I've ever seen Oh in my cover. goodness. That co- I'm obsessed with that cover. It's like the it's like my laptop screen and like just I can't stop looking at it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, so I haven't been reading a whole lot outside of like the books that I mentioned earlier. Um, but I did pick up Lives Laid Away by Stephen Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. This is the second book in the August Snow series. Um, and so I read the first book, I think, earlier this year. Or maybe it was late last year. I don't remember at this point. Um, And then this one just came out in like January. And so I've had a copy of it just sort of sitting on my shelf. And I was just like, hey, why not? Um, So if you aren't aware, uh, this series follows this character named August Snow, who is an Pre, who lives in Detroit. Um, He was a police officer and he ends up basically like trying to take down some corruption from the inside this all happens before the first book and the first book starts with like him having won this like major lawsuit so he has a bunch of money and he left detroit for a significant amount of time because of all of the stuff that went down with him taking down dirty cops and stuff like that um, but then he eventually moves back to detroit and he decides that he wants to use his money to try to help revitalize the part neighborhoods and things like that where he grew up um and that so like you follow um him as he's basically like making his return and the first book sort of is like a lot of background into like who he is and what his relationship is like in the city and stuff like that and he ends up getting caught up in a mystery um in this book um it's i think like a year or so after the events of the first book and He's put a lot of time and money into the neighborhood and he's basically becoming pretty well known um, in the area for investing in his neighborhood when he realizes that um, there's some shady stuff going down with ICE, um, the Immigration Custom Enforcement Agency. Um, and the story starts off with like the news of a young Hispanic woman who is dressed as Marie Antoinette um, found dead in the Detroit River. And then there's also like another person, I forgot what historical figure she was dressed up as, but she was dressed up in like this crazy costume as well. Another young Hispanic woman was also found like near a major bridge in the Detroit River and stuff like that. So there starts to be sort of this question of what exactly is going on here. Um, These are both people who were undocumented and with like the heavy increase of ice raids and stuff like that, um, August Snow starts to wonder whether there's something shady going on with them um, or is it something else that's going on? Are they part of like a human trafficking issue and stuff like that? Is it because they're undocumented that people are targeting them um, and all this stuff? And so August Snow, who is this like ex-police detective, ex-marine guy, um, doesn't want to just sit by and watch like his neighbors be harassed all the time and try to figure out what exactly happened with these women. Um, so this is a series that is like perfect for people who love those just like 
fast-paced, action-packed mysteries. Like, this is a series that I feel like really should be adapted into, like, a movie or TV show. Because, like, when you're wa- when you're reading the book, like, you can see it all playing out so vividly. Um, Stephen Mac Jones also does a really great job of talking about food in this book. I feel like every time I'm reading this book, I am super, super hungry because he talks about food in such a great way. Um, the main character is, like, half-back black half hispanic himself so he talks about like really great and delicious food as well uh so just a warning for that you will be hungry while reading the series um but i think that again it's just like a really cinematically written book that is just really great when you just want something fun and fast paced um you know i love character driven mysteries a lot but sometimes you just want something that's like a popcorn book and things like that and something that'll just sort of like transport you into another world. Um, I love the fact that it's set in Detroit because I'm a Midwestern girl myself. And so I always get excited when books are set in the Midwest. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a really fun series. So again, this one is called Lives Laid Away by Stephen Mac Jones. The first one is just called August Snow. Um, so I highly recommend picking up the series if you haven't already. Or if you picked up the first one, I can tell you that the second one is just as much fun. Awesome. All right. So I think that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head to bookriot.com slash listen. There'll be links there to all the articles that we talked about at the top of the show, as well as links to all of the books that we mentioned. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So that way other people will be able to find us and check us out. If you want to send us an email with show suggestions for the future, or just in general, you want to talk to us about books, because we are always happy to do that. You you can email us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And Liberty, where can people find you? I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. All right. And we will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>